Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. So today on Focus on Why podcast, I am joined by Jean-Pierre Scatalon. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Thank you for having me. And where are you based right now? Tell the audience. Right now, I live in the U.S. in New Hampshire, and I've been living here for about eight months. Prior to this, I was living in Germany with my wife for three years, and this is home for now. Fantastic. And how did you hear about the Focus on Why podcast? Well, I've been uh, looking at different podcasts. I'm a big fan of different podcasts. I've done a lot of learning in the past four years through audio content, and definitely podcasts is uh, it's one of the ways I learn. And as I've been reaching out to different podcasts so I can um, promote my public speaking and my conversations, uh, I, I found out about you, and I thought, okay, the, I love the message. I, I can align with what you're doing. And, yeah, definitely the question why is – a very important question. So this is the situation. I put out a post on Facebook and Jean-Pierre actually contacted me and I hadn't even gone live at this point. So we're recording pre-launch. So he doesn't have any idea about how the podcast is going to go, but because of the concept, he agreed. Is that right? That That's correct. That is a very powerful question. I believe that... Uh, the purpose of conversations is not necessarily to find answers, but to learn how to ask better questions and why. It's a very powerful question. Oh, absolutely. For me, it's everything. So you call yourself a conversation facilitator. My goodness, what a great title. Tell me what that means. Well, that means it's it's interesting because I've always been trying to look for my life purpose. And I heard one time this person said to me, when you discover your purpose, you're going to realize that it's something that you've been doing your whole life. And I've been having conversations ever since I was a little boy. And conversation facilitator is something that I learned. after I was diagnosed with PTSD a few years ago. I went to counseling. And one of the things in hindsight that I learned from my, my uh, counselor, my psychologist, was that he never gave, gave me any advice, but he created the space for me to speak. And that's where I began to discover myself, my journey for self-healing uh, and putting myself together began. And I think if I can do that for somebody else, just create the space for them to speak, then my, my work is done. And why is it so important to be able to create that space for someone? What does it mean to them? It means that they get to discover who they are. They get to stop seeking questions from the outside because I believe that our tendency as people who love other people is that we want to make things better. So we tend to give advice and advice. It's applicable to each individual, whatever happened to me, whatever I did may not work for you. However, you are the expert of yourself. And if you're able to speak and articulate what you're feeling and articulate where you've been, where you are, and where you want to go, then you begin to design the plan that you want for your life. And it's you. You, you are it. You are the person who 
I have this quote that I created it, and this is the quote. You are the light at the end of the tunnel. You've always been the light at the end of the tunnel because there's an optimal version of us that we all have deep inside. I wish I could be this ideal. And that is the light at the end of the tunnel. Whenever you're going through trials, whenever you're going through hardship, if you become a little bit more like that ideal that you have in your mind, then you are able to make it through the tunnel into the light. And in the end, you'll discover it's you. <laughs> I love that. I love that analogy of light at the end of the tunnel. It's a really, really good metaphor. So explain why the psychologist helped you. What was it that you were going through and, and why were you going through PTSD? So I joined the, the Army late in my life. I was 32 when I joined the Army. It was uh, 2009 when there was a, a downturn in the U.S. economy and worldwide, too. And uh, I wanted to find a job where I could provide benefits for my children. I, I, I never really graduated from college or university. So there are some jobs that were not available to me. And I've heard that people do things out of inspiration or desperation. And at the time, I just wanted to take care of my family. So I was old, but not old, not too old to join the military. So I joined the military and within a few months, I was in my first duty station, with, which was in Germany. And then within a few weeks, I was in Afghanistan in the middle of combat. And I was there for 10 months. And, and were, you, were you prepared for that? Mentally, were you prepared for that? I thought I was. I thought I was. It's interesting because I thought, okay, I'm 32 at the time. I was 32. I have a family. I lived enough life. I'll be okay, I thought to myself. And then when you see people suffering, your friends, civilians over there. And the worst thing that was to see little children get hurt. And I joined the military because I wanted to provide for my family. And then I see all these little kids, these little children get hurt because they are the collateral damage of the, the war. And that was very shocking for me. I was not prepared to see that or to experience that. And I remember at first I would uh, call home and I would ask my relative, my family, send me candy because these kids are adorable. They're all, they always want candy from us. And we just, lo I love to give them candy. And then within a few months when I began to see all this, uh, I was engaged in a lot of different battles, a lot of different uh, events when I saw people get hurt, especially children. Then for some reason, I just, I want my kids to be away from me. Well, there's one particular event, if, if, if I could uh, talk about it. Um, there was an explosive that was meant for, uh, we believe us, the soldiers, and these children, children, local Afghani children, somehow they activated the explosive and they got severely hurt. And they were brought to us so we can provide that, the medical assistance that they needed. And I was looking at the kids and I saw the faces of my three children reflected in the faces of those three little boys. And uh, that did it for me. I became like numb. Uh, I cried, but I was after that, I was just like, okay. Uh, I stopped feeling and then which is a survival mechanism that allows you if you're in combat you don't feel any pain you don't feel any major feelings so you're running on adrenaline for several months and then when you come home you are hyper alert and you're looking for where's the trouble where's the 
problem going to come from, looking at every people as possible targets. And the adrenaline, is, the adrenaline is not there anymore. So I started to feel a lot of anxiety everywhere I went. And that's when you went to counseling. That's, yeah, uh, it's interesting. Yes, that, that was the beginning. And I remember I had some, the beautiful thing, or one of the good things about being in the military is you grow close to other men uh, because you're there to take care of each other. So you build these strong friendships. And a couple of my friends, they tell me, Jean-Piero, you don't smile like you used to. Uh, so why don't you go talk to someone? Because I'm a person who I'm naturally friendly. I want to make relationships with people. I want to talk to people. And I want to be loved. I want to be accepted. And then that was gone. I was just like, my face, my happiness went away from my face. I was no longer smiling. And I heard it a couple of times. So I was like, okay, that's my cue. And I saw a psychologist for a couple of times. Then at the time, because I had become so numb, uh, that also oh, affected my, the relationship I had with my ex-wife and we decided to get a divorce. So I just figured, okay, maybe what I'm going through is just the fact that I'm getting a divorce and my ideal home as I was planning for the rest of my life was not going to be a, a possibility anymore. So it was... I left the army in 2012, but it wasn't until 2014 that uh, I began to feel more anxiety and more uh, hyper alertness and uh, dreams. And uh, I started drinking. I started drinking in a way that I had it scheduled, so nobody knew. By the time uh, my wife, my 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 current wife, I remarried, and I'm happily married, but I was feeling so much anxiety. When she was working and I was, we, we had two different schedules. I was drinking and then I had it in such a schedule that I knew when she was coming home. So I would have enough time to sober up, take a shower, get cleaned up. And for four months, she had no clue that I was going through this. And one of the thoughts that I had after four months was that I said to myself, this is not a sustainable solution. This is not a long-term solution. It may be helping me to numb the feelings and emotions I'm having, but uh, I have a happy relationship now. I definitely don't want to lose this relationship. And I realized that I was, uh, I was keeping something from her and she needed to know. Uh, so first I went to the, the VA, the Veterans Affairs Hospital in, in the U.S., and, uh, and I asked for help. And immediately they, they said, okay, don't worry, we'll, we'll assign you a psychologist. And he was competent and he was, uh, he was a man who, who knew what he was doing. You know, in any relationship, I feel that you have to respect and admire the person you are having that relationship with. And he had a way to show up that uh, I felt that I could trust him. And I began to speak. And yeah, he created the space for me to speak, speak and be able to properly identify what I was feeling because uh, we feel so many things, but sometimes we label them wrong, I believe. Um, anger, sadness, uh, uh, feeling unworthy, all those things have something in common. They don't feel good. So sometimes we, we, we could just say, I don't feel good, but that doesn't help you unless you properly identify it. And some days I was feeling angry. Some days I, I was feeling disappointed. And some days I was feeling like I wasn't enough. And to properly identify that specific 
uh, feeling or emotion allowed me to work specifically on that. Otherwise, as well, I have PTSD. This is who I am. Uh, and you're just a, you're being a let by your emotions as opposed to you having a chance to work or push against those emotions. So the way you're articulating your feelings, I mean, clearly you're, you're very in touch with them now, but it, it was it a shock at the start to try and work out how to be in touch with them. Yeah, well, this is the thing, and I have developed this theory, and I could be wrong, but I believe that when you speak and you hear yourself speak, and then you begin to realize how uh, it can be scary to realize your shortcomings and where you're at that you want to be justified for your behavior sometimes. I used to be very, uh, I used to snap at people. And um, I, I felt like I was short-tempered, that I, was, uh, I couldn't control my emotions sometimes. And, uh, well, to be able to realize that, okay, you, you can control this, but you have to acknowledge first that, okay, that's one of your shortcomings. And to realize that my psychologist or my wife or somebody else could not do the work for me. I had to do the work. I think that was the shocking part to realize that it's all up to me, that uh, as they say, you are the hero of your own story or you have to become the hero of your own story because no amount of information and advice is going to replace the work that you have to do yourself. And when did you start smiling again? Oh, man. Uh, I think I always had a reason to smile, but uh, that's a good question. It was always within me to smile. Uh, I think the more I okay, I think I have the answer. When I met my current wife, when I met my current wife, because... She also has this ability. She's very pragmatic in the way she thinks. And uh, she has this uh, beautiful thing that she listens. She doesn't say very much, but when she says something, she just tells you what you need to hear. And uh, in fact, the whole listening part, I've learned from her and also from the psychologist. And she was definitely a reason for me to smile. And she was very supportive with... Uh, me staying in touch with my children. So staying in touch with my children and being able to connect with my children again was something that really helped me. Um, in fact, one of the, you see, I love having these conversations because it helps me remember where I've been. One of the exercises that I did with my psychologist because he knew the story, he knew out of all the many stories, the one that stood out the most from combat was uh, seeing these uh, children get hurt. So he took me to the market and uh, he said, walk around the market. And whenever you find a place where you're feeling overwhelmed by, stay there, stay with the feeling, don't run away from it and just be with it. Give yourself permission to be with that feeling. And then I realized that the place where I felt the most emotions was this uh, aisle where there was diapers and sippy cups and all these children or oriented stuff. and. Uh, because even though your kids grow, you always have this idea or illusion of uh, your kids as babies. They're always going to be your babies, even though they're, they're growing. 
and somehow just being in that aisle with all the toddler products, all the children's products, gave me a lot of anxiety. And I realized then that I, I was having a very difficult time being around children because some of the most uh, uh, scary or overwhelming experiences that happened to me had children involved in it. Uh, every time there was an explosion, I, I, there was a child around there or, or something like that. So that was very... Uh, they were the triggers. Traumatic. Yeah, the triggers. That yeah, that was, that was a trigger for sure. Uh, I remember deciding to join the military so I can take care of my children and then realizing, and I was conflicted too. Now I'm here and I see all these children are getting hurt. So am I part of the problem? Am I part of the solution? I had good intentions coming in here. Uh, so, so many thoughts, so many things going on in my mind. I felt fragmented because I think this is one of the reasons why uh, PTSD happens is uh, all of a sudden your world as you know it is shattered and uh, you're faced with evil in a way that you only understood it in concept but now you are in the midst of it and it's hard to to draw the line am I part of the solution or am I part of the problem or am I right in between and that caused me a lot of uh, turmoil. So you sound as though you're really educated and yet and yet you said that you dropped out of college. So explain what how have you self-taught your, yourself to, to sort of be so fluent and aware of yourself? Once I discover audiobooks and and this is why I love I love uh, podcasts, uh, I realized that I was intelligent enough to sit there and listen to a multifaceted conversation or uh, discussion. I had difficulty learning because I, I just like, I have this very difficult time studying and reading. And I don't think, not that it matters anymore, but I, I think that I had learning disabilities, but I was never properly diagnosed because I came from Peru to the US when I was 14. So I came from knowing no English and you know learning English, learning a new culture. And I was always an adorable kid. I always had a smile. so. I think that people always gave me the benefit of the doubt and just, I was so adorable and I never made any trouble in the classes that uh, people accepted me. He, he'll figure it out eventually. He's all right. He's not a troublemaker. He's fine. And uh, now when I see the description for a lot of the different diagnoses for attention deficit disorder or dyslexic, I see myself a little bit in those diagnoses, but it doesn't matter. Now I've discovered there are other ways in which I can absorb information and retain information. And for me is audiobooks, lectures on YouTube, uh, podcasts. And uh, the more I listen, the more I sound intelligent or the more I'm able to articulate what I'm feeling. And I, that's the whole purpose of the conversations for me, being able to articulate what's inside, being able to describe it, being able to explain it. And every time I tell my story, I can tell it better. So, and, and if I could do that, I could help other people discover that or do that for themselves, then they're, they're the masters of their own life. I, I just create the space. So do you think you'd be where you are now had you not gone into the army and not suffered from PTSD? No, absolutely not. Because then I would just, uh, I would accept my fate. 
I would accept that, well, you know, I'm an immigrant to the US and I have learning difficulties. And, and that's actually, actually, that was my mindset. I can always work, I'm a hard worker. So uh, as long as there's work, I'll be able to provide for myself and my family. And then uh, in spite of everything, the army, joining the army was the best decision I ever made. It pushed me, pushed me to become something I wasn't and also because people thought of me as such a congenial, adorable kind of little boy growing up, they gave me the benefit of the doubt and uh, I never had to push myself until I put myself in a situation where I had to problem solve and problem solve you as an individual. That's a big one. And I, I realized at some point, okay, I'm fragmented. I'm all over the place. How do I start putting myself together? And even to this day, I mean, there's some days where it's hard to get out of bed. And then I ask myself questions, you know, like how do I want to show up in the world today? Who do I want to be today? I cannot change my past. The future is not here. But who do I want to be today? And if I could do a little bit of, if I tell myself, okay, today I'm going to get up and I'm going to do this task and that task, and I do it, then I can celebrate because I said I did what I said I was going to do. So, so your entire entire internal dialogue has changed. Yes, absolutely. I, I realized that I always heard like, uh, oh, people people have voices in their heads or they talk to themselves, and it's like absolutely. If you want extra advice, <laughs> talk to yourself. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you have to realize that there is a never ceasing stream of thoughts and ideas and I see a lot of people try to meditate to stop the, the thoughts and uh, give that up because it's, it's never it's, it hardly ever stops but uh, you need to decide who you want to be how you want to show up every day that's all you can control today how you behave and how you react I begin to immediately after I did something like I would snap at people I would take it back and be like I'm sorry for my reaction right now. And I began to try to make things right as I went along, as opposed to the Giampiero before the military was like, well, if I didn't understand you and I got upset at you, I don't want to talk to you for a few days type of thing. And now I strive more for connection because there's a lot of things that the people that show up in my life can teach me. And I show up as that person who like, okay, if, if I listen to them and I speak, I get to see my reflection in them. I get to see a different version of me. And, and I get to learn something about me also. Uh, I, I, have, I heard this quote by Abraham Lincoln who says, don't judge other people. They are exactly what we would be under the same circumstances. So I try to give up my assumptions and I am open to learning from as many people as I can. And the work of being a conversation facilitator, that, that's important to you because of the positivity that you can provide by allowing people just to listen to what they're saying. Is that what, you're, is that what you do? Yeah, 100%. It's like the answer will always come from within. And if I could, I want, you know, that, that quote that says, uh, be the change that you want to see in the world by Gandhi. And uh, if I can do more of what 
if I can create a space for people to discover that if they do more of what they want to see in the world, then their, their world, at least their world, will change. My world has changed, and this is the reason why I'm able to have a quality relationship with, uh, with my wife today, also with my ex-wife and my children, because I've tried in as much as I can to make, make amends. And also, I, I'm the first one to, to acknowledge, okay, I, I, my bad, I did something wrong. Uh, how can we fix that? And uh, yeah, all of this came thanks, thanks to me joining the army, going through uh, a little bit of hell. And the fact is, uh, there's always a little bit of hell to go through if you want to change and become a little bit better. And who would you say has inspired you the most of, from all the podcasts or, or, or books or audio books and any, anyone in particular that you'd like to, I mean, you've quoted Lincoln, you've quoted Gandhi. So yeah. Else? In, in, in most recent years, it wasn't until four years ago that I came across uh, Audible. So I started, you know, carrying the, the books on my phone and I've, I've listened to hundreds of books by now. And this is a, uh, you know, I'm a compilation of a lot of ideas. In a way, I feel like I'm standing in the shoulders of giants because in the end, all those people that I admire and I respect, uh, they're pretty much telling you the same thing. It's you. It's you taking responsibility. It's you uh, making a decision. And uh, even if it's a wrong decision, commit to it and see what happens. And um, one of the, in the last three years, one of the most influential uh, He's a clinical psychologist from Canada. His name is Jordan B. Peterson. He has a couple of books out. One of them is 12 Rules for Life. And rule number eight says, tell the truth or at least don't lie. And I try to live my life aligned to that. And it's not easy because sometimes, sometimes you want to make a good impression. Sometimes you want to, we all have our different intentions or reasons why we do things. But just remember, just uh, tell the truth. It's just so much easier. I was going to say, tell the truth to yourself. That's the important one, right? Be, be honest with yourself. It begins with you, yes. Like one of the things that I, through conversations I've learned that we are not honest with ourselves and then we wonder why our lives are not working the way we wish they would be working. And a very simple one would be somebody asks you, how are you doing? And you say, I'm okay or I'm fine. It's like, okay, then your brain is not looking for solutions or optimal ideas for you to, to make your life better because you keep saying, I'm fine. And uh, we sort of act as if we are a finished product. And there's a quote that is uh, attributed to, I think it's Michelangelo. There's discrepancies as to whether he said this or not, but he said, a work of art is never finished. It's only abandoned. And I think all of us, sometimes we get these moments when we feel that we We've made it. We we were were a, a job. I've always been like this. It's in my DNA. It's in a, it's in my culture, and this is who I am. It's like mm. maybe, but uh, and this is why I love all the different questions that you post on the, on your site because one of them is what if, what if, as I've listened to different uh, intelligent people and even actors, uh, I listened to this song. I forgot the name of the actress, the, the singer, but she said, someday I may realize that, that right now I'm exactly the person I've always wanted to be. 
100%. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we're looking for the someday and it's like, you've been doing it your whole life. You probably haven't been getting paid for it. And this is where you make the distinction. It's like, well, once I get paid, then I can call myself officially whatever. But no, I heard from another speaker who said, uh, once you discover your calling, the thing that you, you were meant to do, you will realize that it's something you've been doing your whole life. That's amazing. So finding your identity on the journey that you have, can you imagine uh, what what has been the most important pivotal moment for you in finding your voice and, and how that's sort of changed everything you, now forever? Giving myself permission to fail. If, if, if I wish there was something that I could have been told when I was growing up was that I was going to fail and I was going to fail many times because I know our family, our culture, our religion, whatever helps us to grow up, tells us the sky's the limit. You can be anything you want. You're a good person. You're wonderful. Go for it. But I don't think they stress enough the fact that you're going to fail and you're going to fall. You're going to fall on your face. You're going to, yeah, you, you, you are going to ridicule yourself sometimes. You're going to, you're going to look like a fool. And as you study uh, stories, how the stories are put together, uh, like the archetypes, you realize that in order for you to become the hero of the story, first you have to become the fool. That person who takes that leap of faith and everybody says, like, he cannot do it. Oh, it's never been done before. What a fool. But it is the fool who becomes the hero in the end because he did something different. He dared to do it. Amazing. Yeah, I, I, more and more I give m- myself permission to fail. Well, I always ask people for a last minute tip. And I mean, I think we've just got a bonus one there because that was a fantastic one. Since I was a little boy, I realized I've known that I'm a very emotional ca- uh, person. And it, it's, my, it's my strength and it's also my weakness because because I feel so much, I can connect with people but because also I feel so much I could get overwhelmed with a lot of emotion and uh, that's something that I've discovered as I've studied different personality types and yeah I have my proclivities for uh, negative emotion but uh, the more I aim at being the person that I wish I could be not because somebody else says you should be this guy but I have now a clear idea it's like I want to be the guy who speaks I want to be the guy who I like the word inspired because the root of inspired means to breathe life into another. And, and yeah, if I could inspire someone through my story or through my listening, then that's great. Uh, so I'm discovering more about me as I go along. You mentioned you find your calling and this has been my calling and it's frustrating that it's taken so long for me to realize that. But I'm here because it's the right time right now. This is the moment that it was meant to happen and I'm embracing it. And out of a time that's difficult right now in in terms of lockdown, I've been the most creative and innovative and honest with myself than I've ever been. And and, and that, that I'm very grateful for. And you know this this podcast is is the the result of that so you know I'm a strong believer in in out of adversity becomes opportunities 100% and uh, I, I looked at your bio and the things that you've accomplished I'm very impressed and 
and I love it. And I think one of the things that I think is uh, your strength is your, you seem to be very organized. And uh, sometimes people like me who are very emotional, we need that structure to be able to put ourselves together. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show, Jean-Pierre. It's been amazing. And I really feel that you're going to inspire people across the world from your story of through adversity, through lack of education and through disability terms of the PTSD, how you've repaired yourself and how you've pulled yourself back from all of those elements and into the smiley, happy child again that you once were and and bringing sunshine to to all of us and and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, being the optimal you. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Like I said, it's it's, it's what I aim for, that create a space for other people to, to get to know themselves and then people who are listening will also give will recognize themselves in that and they will also give themselves permission to be themselves absolutely and if you could just give uh, the audience one piece of advice now what would that be i would say one piece of advice aim to tell the truth aim to tell the truth and there are many ways, and this is why articulated speech is so important. You may not want to reveal everything, but if somebody asks you, how are you doing? You can say, I'm not feeling my best today, or I'm not at 100%. You don't have to tell the drama. That's not the whole point. But you don't need to share with people your agony. Sometimes also don't share your story with people who haven't earned the right to listen to you. Because you need to, in order to have a beautiful growing relationship, you have to respect and admire that other person. But if somebody offers you that space that you can trust and you can tell your story and they can honor your story, just so you can figure out and articulate what's going on inside you, that's what I would tell people to strive for. Tell the truth. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star iTunes review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook, and become a member of the inspiring, uplifting, and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.